lift through it. Uh, I think it's amazing. I saw, like I was saying, I uh, I saw on my knee sleeves during a training session that you get so gratefully gave me. Uh, I was like, I was rolling them down because I was like going to pack it in. I just mm. snatched and I was like, God, this is a horrible session. I rolled them down and I said, it said lift through it. And then my training partner, Dylan, he started doing clean and jerks. Mm. So I'm like, fucking pull it up. Lift Hike them back it. up. Yeah. So wait, what's the story behind that? Uh, I just kind of recognize that everyone has a story. Every person in the gym has a different story. Um, you know, my story was that I I bought the story that I was dumb. I thought I was stupid. I thought I couldn't learn uh, the same way other kids could learn. Uh, in school, I was put into, uh, you know, remedial classes, special classes, um, and was called all the words, retard, all those different things uh, by classmates and peers and people like that over the years. And so... Um, that is something that I needed to lift through. So I, I think each person can find something running, lifting, um, playing the drums, uh, being in a band. Like I think each person can find their own version. It doesn't necessarily have to be lift, but for me, uh, it was the physicality that kind of helped. Well, didn't kind of help, but shaped me and made me. And something I try to share out with people today because I think. I think one of the major problems in this country right now, obviously people are very heavy. That's a huge concern. But what people aren't looking at is people are very under-muscled. So they're, people get fatter as they get out of high school and they don't play sports anymore and they get to be in their 30s and 40s. Uh, life kicks them in the balls. They have kids. They have other things to focus on and hone in on. They don't pay attention to themselves as much they slip they're 30 pounds overweight 40 pounds overweight but once you get to be older and older and older you're also simultaneously losing muscle mass and that is uh one of the biggest detriments so uh, even though i would love to say like hey not everybody really needs to lift i think everybody really does need to lift yeah i like i like that term you brought up under muscled yeah I, in fact it seems like a very simple one but it's eloquent because um that is, it's been my approach to talking to people so much about training. Um, so many people, if if they want to change the way their body looks or whatever, they instantly think about the calorie calories in versus calories out, which is how it works, right? And they're mainly thinking about calories in. They're not yeah. really thinking about how they're going to get anything out. And But their version of calories out is like this massive production. I, I always say, like, take small steps, literally. Like, you, you know, you're, you... I don't know what video it was, but you started talking about the 10 minute walk and then there was the studies and that was the simple way of getting the calories out. But another simple way is just to have fun resistance training. Um, and I also like calling it resistance training right. lately, uh, even though we could call it weight training or weight lifting. Um, but yeah, like under muscled is a great term. So many people fall so far behind and then like you said, like it just the ball keeps rolling and rolling and rolling and they, they become 30, 40 pounds overweight and they're not 20, you know, they're 30, they're 40. And, that's and the question to ask too is like how much would you need to do to hold on to some muscle mass? Like probably not a lot, right? You probably wouldn't need to do much. Like I'm just talking about you have similar muscle mass to when you were 19, 20, you know, something like that. Uh, now some people may have played sports and things like that. So they may have had a little bit more muscle mass. Maybe they wrestled and they had some resistance with the particular sport that they chose. But 
for the most part, I mean, you're not really asking for much. I think it would take maybe two or three training sessions a week uh, to be able to hold on to that muscle mass. You just end up in this state where you're 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 going you know going downhill fast. And I always say strength is never a weakness, and weakness is never a strength. And the whole thing behind that is also this idea of yeah, people are very under muscled. They're not strong enough to take care of themselves. My father ended up in the hospital a couple years ago. He's in the hospital for 70 some odd days in uh, Jamaica Queens Hospital in, in New York City. And uh, they couldn't figure out what's wrong with him. They did all these studies and tests and stuff. He had something wrong with his stomach. Years prior, he had uh, cancer uh, somewhere in his stomach as well. And um, the first thing they had him do, so he went, he, my dad has always been like over 200 pounds. He's only like 5'3 or something, 5'4. And uh, so that's pretty heavy. And he got down to maybe like 145, 150 pounds. And he was just, just like, yeah, it just wasn't good. He nearly died a couple times. The first thing they had him do is they had him hold onto a, uh, a walker and they had him do, doing these little mini tiny squats. And the next move that they had him do was a hip hinge holding onto the walker. And I was like, see? Yeah, who, who <laughs> like, did that? I'm like, this is what it's all about. Yeah, that's yeah. they did that in the hospital. Well, good for the... I mean, that's amazing. That's progressive right. overload. Yeah, right. Um, one thing that I think is really difficult coming from someone like you is like, when, we get, when, when you give people like, hey, uh, get stronger, it, yeah. you get the stigma automatically of being like, well, that's easy for you to say because... You know, you were a, a powerlifting bro who took steroids to lift a certain amount of weight. Like, I cannot relate to you at all. And the thing that is interesting is, like, you always have to battle that. Right. Now. We, we I, I have to battle that. Like, I'm just telling you guys, resistance training, it's not, you know, it's, it's the thing that we always bring up, like, the women who hear, I should do resistance training, and then you tell, and then they think, oh, you want me to come bulky in a bodybuilder? And that's been debunked over and over and over again, but it it sucks when it comes from somebody like yourself, right? Like, you're always fighting that uphill mm -hmm. battle of everyone being like, well, you trained at Westside, bro. Like, you right. trained powerlifting and, like, in a death metal gym. Like, I'm not going to really listen to you on that. When in reality, you're just coming from a health and fitness perspective. Like under-muscled is definitely a term that we should be throwing around much more. This is uh, something I've been passionate about since I was a kid. You know, I don't know what uh, I don't know what algorithm hit me the right way when it came to weights, but the second I started to move them around, I was a little bit better than my friends. Uh, in fact, I remember being like 12 or 13, and and you know, moving around a barbell. Uh, in my basement with my friends and my dad, you know, he had the intuition to buy like an actual like lifting, like a Olympic lifting set, which was really nice. Um, instead of those kind of old cement plates yeah, yeah. and stuff we yeah. had, we started with some of that shit, but my dad like later on was like, Oh, if my boys are going to get into this, let me like invest, uh, in something different. And so we had some really nice weights and a bench and a squat rack and all that stuff. But I went to move around the barbell a bunch and I was able to do it pretty easy. And my friends were all squirmy and squiggly and they like would lock one side out and then they would lock the other side out. It was all rocky and weird. And I remember throwing tens on the side and stuff. And then they would just get, they got pinned by that. And I remember like 
just being able to do like 95 pounds pretty easy. I was heavier than the other mm-hmm. guys, mm-hmm. Uh, and I was playing some sports and stuff, but it just like for whatever reason, uh, maybe genetically or something, there was something there in the beginning, and I fell in love with it. And it's been something that I could always come back to. I never really intended to be... I never intended to do powerlifting for my entire life. I actually tried to get away from it a bunch of times. I tried football. I tried boxing. I tried professional wrestling. Uh, and I sucked at everything enough to where lifting kept coming back. It kept coming back. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want this relationship with you. Fucking go away. <laughs> <laughs> but it never did. And so I just eventually I was like, you know what? Actually, this is like my calling. I think this is what I'm supposed to do. So just fucking eat it and go do it. So I want to talk about West Side um, and, and particularly Louis and maybe your relationship with him. You and I had talked after doing your show last week, which was awesome, by the way. Uh, I don't know when it's going to be out, but... Probably, yeah, probably. Pretty, it's probably out already. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, we, we mentioned after the show, you're like, you know, you and I could go down this big path about the philosophy aspect of this um, because Louie told me that he could get anyone to about a 500 to a 600 pound deadlift, but anyone who wants to go into the depths of 700, 800, that's going to be on them. What did you mean by that? Yeah, it was always such a good quote by Louie. He was like, uh, your dad can buy you a car. <clears throat> your sister can help you, uh, get a, bo- get a boyfriend or something like that. And, uh, but he's like, only you yourself will be able to get an 800 pound deadlift or a thousand pound squat or whatever it was. He just meant that like, you got a lot of figuring to do. Like you need to take some of the shit that I'm saying, you need to take some of the stuff from the books, from the textbooks, from the literature, from the Russians and from <laughs> this person and that person. Yeah. Cause he, he gets like really nerdy in that stuff. Oh, yeah. But at the same time you can't, it's like, it's a double edged sword. Like if you get super nerdy and mm-hmm. uh, optimal with all of your training, it takes away from this philosophy. Well, the best, the best, the best style of training is the best system for training is the one that you're currently not doing. The yeah, people kind of right. they yeah. kind of miss that, and it's like we can get as optimal as we want, but as soon as we optimize them, we're probably missing out on some other things. You also end up with a case of like overthinking stuff. I mean, yeah. you gotta, you gotta just, you honestly have to do. And a lot of times the advice I'll give somebody that's new is like, just go in the gym and just like move around some weights, you know, get some sets in, get some reps in, get some things under your belt. Uh, but there is a lot of intuition, I think, that's associated with it. And you notice that the best lifters, and you probably really notice this in Olympic lifting, uh, it's definitely true in powerlifting as well. The best guys don't miss the weights as often. They just don't miss. And then you're trying to keep up with them and let's let's say someone does a let's say someone does a clean with uh, like 365 pounds or something, and you're trying to pace yourself so you can get there. And let's just say you barely hit like a 350. You you, you didn't really recognize you didn't register in your head how sweet the 365 was that the, the guy hit before you. You didn't recognize how technical it was and how and how well he performed the lift. You're just thinking he did more than me. So you want to put that extra 15 or maybe even, you know, 20 pounds to try to catch him or try to beat that person. And you're failing to realize the impact that had on that person is way different. Maybe because they're shorter, maybe because they're taller, maybe because they're more flexible, maybe they just have better form. But the athlete that 
can perform the lift better, the athlete that can do the lift better can do it more. They can have more frequency. Mm -hmm. So we always talk about volume, but we don't even have any, there's no consideration of the body type of the person. We don't really realize that volume. Just general athleticism. Yeah. Oh yeah. That person just could be more athletic than you. And there's sometimes there's not much you can do about that. Right. I mean, you could be born again from different parents. (laughs) I don't know if that's a possibility. But if you take something like, let's take something like a bench press uh, versus a snatch. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no more metabolically demanding exercise that you can make up than probably a snatch. I mean, uh, I I guess like you could as far as as far as power output goes, it's it's and you can put like a the biggest probably yeah and you can stick like a burpee in there or something like that because there's so much movement but the length of the movement mm-hmm. is a huge factor how far did you actually move the weight that's part of volume as well probably a big reason why olympic lifters split stuff up so much they're either pressing overhead or they're lifting from the ground yeah how often do you lift from the ground and press overhead like you it's probably just like not done in a ton of sessions unless it's broken apart right so to to get back to louis like Again, he always dove into this uh, a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. he made sure to explain that he was into the science behind all of this. But at the same time, he was telling you, like, I can't bring you the science that's going to get you. How did he balance that? Like, how did he create that environment at Westside? And, like, what was that experience like? And and I want to know more from, like, the... Yeah, the science is potentially mm-hmm. there, but what's it really like? I think this is uh, sums it up pretty good. Um, Louis Simmons and Westside Barbell in Columbus, Ohio, was famous all over the world. He was communicating with people from from many different countries. There would there would be people that would fly from Sweden, Iceland, Russia, Ukraine, uh, Germany. People from all over the place. Sometimes it'd be someone just from California or New York. But every single week, there was somebody new in there, an NFL, uh, an NFL uh, strength coach, uh, the strength coach of Notre Dame, the strength coach of Clemson. Yep, like I, mean, these I know the Clemson big, one. Yeah, these yeah. big football factory uh, places and from all kinds of different sports because people were just recognizing, like, you know, it, it's important to be strong. And so Louis when you would ask Louie about certain people that came through the gym because he had so many famous and great people that came in, especially people that were highly touted in, in strength and in fitness. I remember asking him, I I really looked up to Charles Pollock when I loved the information Mm -hmm. that he had out there. Uh, All the stuff he talked about with eccentrics and he had a huge impact. He was the first guy to really talk a lot about branch chain amino acids. One of the first guys to talk about fish oil he was like just bringing all kinds of stuff to the forefront that no one else was thinking about, you know, 20, 30 years ago. I said, Louie, I said, how's Charles Bulliquin? I know he came out here and he goes, he goes, oh, Charles is a great guy. He goes, he sat right there and we're in the gym. We're at Westside. I was like, oh, did you uh, learn anything from him or like, did he show you guys anything or he goes, he sat right there. He just sat right on, right next to that box over there. He sat on that bench and his point was, he came to the West Side and he didn't fucking lift. <laughs> he just wanted to watch. He just well, he just watched. Yeah. He's like, this is not a spectator sport. He's like, you got to be involved. You got to yeah, actually you, do it. Yeah. So that kind of goes back to the whole thing of like, you got to find the answers. It goes back to what's on my hat, which is my brand within you. 
all the answers are on the inside, but you're not gonna ever find them if you keep stumbling over science and you keep reading and you keep researching. You're not gonna find them that way. You're gonna find them by, okay, yeah, you're gonna read or have an input from somebody. It's gotta, ideas gotta come from somewhere. Um, your, your ideas are always gonna form out of like conjectures that you make against other maybe previous beliefs that you had, uh, or it's gonna come from some sort of piece of new information but then you have to go and implement it. I mean, how many people are out there right now listening to podcasts, listening to books on tape, um, uh, li listening to all kinds of different information all the time? And it's not lack of information. It's lack of action. People need to actually go and do stuff. Even if you do it kind of blindly and you fuck it all up, mess it all up. If somebody that hurts their back on a deadlift, it's like I think everybody looks at that as a bad thing, but you... You start to learn from that. Yeah. And then you also learn the art, which is a fucking wonderful art to learn how to train and still make progress when you're kind of fucked up. Um, one thing I loved about uh, Louis' like, methodology, and I, I, I honestly, I, I've been pretty open about things that I disagree with him saying as far as like... Oh, he had the answer to everything. He was yeah. very sure about Olympic lifting and everything like right. that. Right. And, but... Beyond that, um, one thing I really, really liked was that he brought dynamic effort to uh, a world where dynamic effort was not even considered. So for, like in weightlifting, dynamic effort is what we do every day. So I don't have to fucking worry about it. So just by snatching and just by clean and jerking, I'm essentially doing dynamic effort deadlifts. Like I, re you, I really am. Like you it's, can't jump up onto something slowly. Yeah. Like you can't really do a, a clean with X amount of weight slowly. And, it and won't happen. The, the beautiful thing is the percentage, it falls right in line mm -hmm. with what Louis wants prescribed. It's just probably not as much volume because the movement is too technical. So like Louis would have these workouts. I mean, I, mean, I know you would know more about this, but you know, you'd be, you'd be doing like 12 sets or 20 sets, but it would be at 50 to 65%. Uh, and usually what 60 seconds to 120 seconds rest. Mm -hmm. And that was the dynamic effort days, but you know, you were doing smaller ranges of motion than a goddamn snatch. But what I what I like is like, hey, let's be explosive in here. Let's work on being explosive, even though that's not our sport. That has nothing to do with our sport is being fast. Right. But what would happen if we worked fast? And if you are a slow guy who's really strong, we can still work on this thing and you can still be a slow and strong guy over here, but we'll be able to progress you at the same time. I, I absolutely love the idea of doing that. And I think if I'm not wrong, wrong here, like this was not a thing in strength training, whether it was uh, for powerlifting specifically, for bodybuilding, or for strongman, for any strength outside of weightlifting, moving lightweights fast when your sport is moving heavyweights pretty slow was not being done before Louis, right? Well, you did have Dr. Squat who came in and talked a lot about compensatory acceleration, like moving weights fast and he didn't break it down quite the same way that Louis did. He didn't um, have the idea of using those lighter weights because he found that he actually had a statement that, that if you, if anyone could get stronger with lighter weights, why wouldn't you just always use lighter weights? And so you need the heavier weight as well. So you need both days, and that's why Louis, the maximum effort. Is yeah, good. Louis broke it out speed day, and then you have another day that's like slow or heavy as possible, and it automatically slows you down basically. 
But yeah, Dr. Squat, uh, he squatted over a thousand pounds at like 260. And he was one of the, not maybe not the first guy to squat a thousand, but one of the first. And he talked a lot about compensatory acceleration. And his idea is actually really, really nice. And any athlete can implement this. Once you have the form and technique down of any movement in the gym, try to work it explosively. Not necessarily uh, out of control. I think people confuse the two and they start going like crazy on certain things. But once you get the idea and the concept down of, of maybe, let's just say, like dumbbell bench pressing uh, or, or doing some overhead presses, um, whether you're seated or standing, once you get the motion down, then try to really push into it as hard as you can because those 80-pound dumbbells, you can have them kind of represent 100-pound dumbbells yes. just by the just uh, by moving fast, just by the exertion, right? There's different ways of doing That's it. That's a valuable piece of advice because so much of what bodybuilders or so much of what people do, like they're, the most common cue in the gym is like slow and control, control the weight. Right. It's like that does have a ton of value, by the way. That's a great you place know, to start. Yeah, eccentric loading, like nice and control, make sure all your positions are right. But once you become a little bit more of an advanced, lifter like trying to do things fast is is rarely rarely seen um but you do i, I mean i think the most advanced power uh bodybuilders right they're gonna pick up you know 100 pound dumbbells and they're gonna pop them off right. their chest as fast as they can i think it, i think it has some merit for some muscle growth as well uh but where louis was really a genius was with innovation so he took he oh, took the, a, the shit he made, man. Oh, it was unbelievable. You know, he made the reverse hyper, and he was really big on the glute ham. He, he made the reverse hyper. <laughs> that is crazy. That thing's incredible. It's incredible. And, it, I mean, well, we're talking to an inventor here. So, I, you know, you invented a thing, and now it's... It's a thing that is part of over power. a million slingshots sold. Yep. Yeah, but but the fact that he was like, I have this vision for because like the back extension is a fucking staple in Soviet training. Yeah, like it still is today. Like um, Dmitry Klokov was on a video with Brad. Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Bradley Martin, and uh, he was like, I do this three times a week. And he was saying it was just back extensions. And he took uh, Bradley Martin through back extensions with thing on uh, weight on the back. And I love the idea, and I, I know you know more about this, but the fact that we can support the spine and work the other way. Right. So you get traction and flexion and extension is like, that. that's so cool. And, and it, it's what's crazy to me is like, it seems like such a legitimate instrument that nobody, like, like it's not... It just, it's hard for me to fathom that Louis pretty recently invented that thing. It seems like such a staple, you know? Yeah, Louis was crazy. He was always trying to invent all kinds of stuff. He was, uh, he invented a bar that had springs in it. <clears throat> and uh, as you go to press it, I think someone else makes it nowadays, but as you go to press the weight, you can contract inward against the springs. And as you go to, uh, or you could press outward against some springs to like work the triceps versus work in the chest when you're going inward. He made all kinds of stuff. What, weight releasers? Did he start doing that first? Yeah, I've never seen weight releasers before him. But like he he took the bands, he took the chains, the weight releasers. The band the bands came from uh, a guy named Dick Hartzell who owns a, used to own a company. I don't know if they're still around anymore. Jump Stretch, and Louis had this idea of attaching a band to the barbell which at the time was pretty wild and crazy. No one was really doing anything like that. No. It, it's, uh, 
it's still not utilized enough. It's in, it's insane that it's not utilized more. Bands and chains are absolutely amazing. The weights are lighter at the bottom and heavier at the top. Remember I talked earlier about the art of training around and through injuries. That's a great way to train around injuries. You get the axial loading of the weight pushing you down really hard, but when it's in the most compromised range of motion, it's as, li as light as it absolutely so take the chains for example you have like a 20 pound chain if it's on the side of a barbell for something like a squat and you have a lot of knee pain well at the very bottom of the squat is where the chains are going to completely deload they should you should have it set up so that the chains are almost completely uh deloaded off the bar so you got this 20 pound chain that you know five pounds of it 10 pounds of it 20 pounds of it pounds on the ground and as you go to come back up more and more of that chain piles up you get a similar reaction to the bands. They're just a little harder sometimes to manipulate so that you're zeroed out at the bottom. Uh, and you wouldn't really want that because then the bands would get too slacked and they get too crazy. Uh, but for force production and for speed, bands and chains are absolutely amazing. If you're to think about it this way, like if you were to take uh, a uh, wiffle ball, a baseball, and a shot put, you know, which one could you throw the furthest? I mean, there's a lot of reasons physics-wise that I am unaware of, but... There's a lot of reasons on why the baseball would be the one that you could throw the furthest. The the uh, wiffle ball is too light and the shot put's too heavy. So you need an optimal weight. And when you go to lift, <clears throat> there's a lot of deceleration that actually happens that you don't even think about. But your body is smart. Even if you're to throw a punch, you can throw a punch pretty hard, but you can only throw a punch as hard as your body is willing to decelerate. Otherwise, you're going like, to throw your shoulder mm -hmm. out. And on something like a bench press or something like a squat, squat's a great example because you can kind of, you can really lock your legs out really aggressively and hard and kind of start to end up with some knee pain and almost some hyperextension of the knees. But if you have a band on the bar and you go to lift it as fast as you can, well, now you can have at it. Now you can push into those weights as fast as you, as fast as you want, as fast as you'd like. So I'd like to see them used even more, I, I, I wish that it was something that uh, took off more because I think it has a lot of application. Yeah, and I think people misinterpret, I mean, people can misinterpret the use of novelty. Right. And people can also come from the other side of being too uh, skeptical of novelty. Um, you know, they'll see, oh, you got cha this chain, this band, this <laughs> thing, you know, and at That's the end of the, the day, question all the this, time, yeah. this person should probably just be doing a push-up, right? But from our perspective, we are simply just saying, like, they are brilliant pieces of equipment for the right person at the right time. And if it's really, it's hard because earlier you're like, you know, don't think so much, like, don't try to be optimal. And now we're saying it has to be for the right person at the right time. And I think the the most important thing to think about is just, like knowing yourself, being self-aware and the lack of that, this cognitive dissonance is what kills people. It's what it's people not understanding enough of their own training, uh, of their own body and just going for crazy shit. Mm. That's when crazy shit is bad. Um, I always point it to like CrossFit. I think CrossFit is actually like a really great methodology. I genuinely do. However, when it's at its worst, it's worse than most. Um, and when it's at its worst, it's from people who are very cognitively dissonant. It's, mm. it's people who are hyper-competitive and not really self-aware. 
And when you are not self-aware and you're doing movements like uh, a butterfly pull-up or uh, a snatch, clean and jerk, these movements that are very difficult, muscle-ups, if you're not self-aware when doing that, you can get injured. You, you likely will get injured from it. But if you're not self-aware and you're playing basketball, you might hurt yourself from like trying too hard. But it could also mean like you take a jump shot when you shouldn't. And there's no punishment for that. If you're not self-aware and you golf, there's no punishment for that. But the punishment in CrossFit is really, really bad, right? And so to kind of finalize where I'm going with this, it's like it really just comes with self-awareness. Like bands, chains, Mm -hmm. all that stuff is great. And I think from your perspective, it is really fantastic. But it can be awful for for the wrong person or just not necessary. Yeah, it could sometimes be a train wreck if somebody doesn't know what they're doing. But I think it's really important to to try stuff and to uh, have like novel ideas and concepts and just give them a go. I mean, some stuff I've been playing with more recently is like, I don't know, whoever said that my shoulders need to be square to do a curl? I mean, why? Like, was my shoulders need to be square to the mirror and I need to, and it's, you're just like thinking, well, that's like isolation. Okay, cool. Isolation's great. What if I don't care about isolation? What if I just want to incorporate the whole body? And what if one of my goals is to not only uh, look good, but to feel good and to be able to move good? Well, maybe I'll just get into like a little bit of a split stance, one leg in front of the other. Mm-hmm. And uh, and maybe I'll, I'll bring the weight out in front of me and I'll flex my stomach and flex my core and kind of squeeze and use my whole body to do the curl. So there's, there's so many different ways of doing this stuff. I think that we uh, have have bought into this idea of like, if you do it this way, you won't get hurt. And I've known all those ways for many, many years. And I've gotten hurt every which way you could possibly think of trying to keep the, I mean, I got myself to a point where my spine doesn't even really bend. So people talk about a flat back, like have a flat back, have a flat back, have a flat back. Well, I did so much work for my spine that it wouldn't even move, Yeah, but I've still gotten hurt. So it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't equal out to, to yeah. be in the way that you might think. I mean, people make the mistake of saying that movements themselves are inherently dangerous or inherently healthy. <laughs> right. But you can do anything and hurt right. yourself. You can do anything and, and make yourself more healthy. I also kind of believe that, well, I'd like to believe, but I'm not out of the woods yet. I'm, I would love to get myself to a place where I feel like I'm not trying to explain myself anymore or convince people of stuff. So I would like to just kind of like post something and have people kind of recognize, hey, this might be a good idea for me. Oh, that's not really, you know, but people get. <laughs> no, it will never. You, you, they no, get a little that, crazy with that it. That will never happen. I know. Um, you just posted a video of Isaiah uh, when, you know, mm-hmm. we were all training and Isaiah did, did this. He calls it a rim check or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where he just goes up and jumps and he can look down the rim like literally look down Insane. into the center of the rim of a basketball hoop, it's like which 10, is 10 feet off the ground yeah it's not like 10 feet it is 10 feet <laughs> <laughs> and it's and, wild and um you, you posted that and then you posted our training session where he hit a 285 pound clean and there was a comment on there saying he could jump but higher or more consistently if he worked on his foot and ankle mm. And that might have been one of the most crazy comments I've ever seen. That was literally just a few days ago. Probably from a Goto guy. <laughs> no, it was no, it's just some random uh, guy. Just sorry. no, just some random guy. Yeah. Just some random guy on the internet. And to think of the conversations that we had with John, was that his coach? John? Yeah. Mm-hmm. John Evans, the the guy uh they have an entire team built around jumping. 
and professional dunkers and people who need to work on jumping. And all they work on is the foot, the ankle, the knee, and the hips through strength training, through isometrics, and they dial in his protocol particularly like really, really hard. I mean, right. he's very thoughtful with this guy's training protocol. And to get him from a 50-inch vertical, which, by the way, is insane. That's an insane number to think about. 50 he has in- the highest vertical in recorded history, I believe. Yeah, and to think that you out there commenting knows anything about this process, about Isaiah and his training... And thinking that you actually know better. With a comment like that, you think that you actually know better is fucking batshit crazy. It's batshit crazy. It's and and the the thing about like, you know, to go back to what you were saying is like, I'd love to just post something and just see and just have people be like, Oh, this might work for me, this might not work for me. Instead it's like, what is this doing? Where uh, how's this gonna help me? You know, why did you decide to do that? Why did you decide to do this? You know, it's, it's crazy. And the, I've had the, people more recently say you're only able to run every day because you're on steroids. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 <laughs> I mean, I understand. I understand the point, um, and and I I'm open to it. I, I understand. Yes, yeah, steroids can help you recover. So I see the person's point. But why would you have that be a limiting belief system for yourself? Because when you say something like that to me, you're saying I can't do what you're doing because I, I don't have the same conditions and what a horrible spot to be in. What if yeah. I said that about your shoes or your lifting belt or your, uh, your gym membership or I can't afford a gym membership. So it's easy for you to say, it's like, how many times are we going to keep saying this? How many excuses are we going to come up with and why bother adop- adopting a limiting belief system? How is that? How does that serve you at all? And to put it out there too, and to have other people kind of see that, they're like, yeah, I think that's, you know, yeah, these guys are on steroids. So, they, you know, they can't, you can't gain muscle. You can't get stronger. You can't yeah, get you can't. faster without them. So this is, again, the thing that is, is uh, you know, it's very blurry because it stems from the muscle magazines where someone right. would sell creatine or sell pro- whey protein and they would have Jay Cutler Right. You know, and so people automatically associate that with Mark saying, hey, guys, like it might be a cool idea to switch to running <laughs> like, or doing something different. And they go, the only reason you can run, you know, they start freaking out. Right. There's a middle ground, you know, like I, I people think that everything has to be black or white because it's easier to be on one team or the other than to think in the middle and just keep bouncing around back and forth. Um, uh, and it happens a lot on the internet. The, uh, yeah, like just, like I said, convincing people of stuff like, uh, I've been powerlifting for a really long time. Um, there's been a lot of different sports and a lot of different things I've done where I feel like I have to talk people into like whatever it is that I'm doing, uh, because they're not like down with it or whatever it might be. But it was just interesting, you know, when powerlifting got popular, which it never got like crazy popular, but it got pretty damn popular a couple years back. I was just kind of sitting back being like, I knew this, I knew this was cool. Like I, I knew that lifting weights was cool. I knew that like eventually people will get it and thank God, like CrossFit came around, put more barbells in people's hands and got people more open-minded about, 
moving these weights around. It also got people more open-minded of, of what lifting can do for women. I think it was like uh, revolutionary in, in some of those senses. But the idea of like just putting ideas out there and concepts that are, that are clearly beneficial, that are clearly helping people, helping people with all kinds of different stuff, mm-hmm. helping people that are bipolar, helping people that uh, have overcome cancer, helping people that have uh, overcome relationships, um, helping people with just, I mean, there's so many things that l- you can lift through it with. There's so many things that it's been beneficial for. And it's only until, and thank goodness for this person, but it's only until like an Andrew Huberman comes along and gives you the science behind it. It's like, oh, it turns out that walking is really good for the, it's really good for your brain. And it turns out that lifting and things like this are stronger and more powerful for your brain than it is anything else, or or at least uh, comparable to what it can do for your body, the changes it can do for your body. So I've been kind of saying this for, I feel like I've been beating this drum forever. Yeah. I'm like, can no one hear this? Like I'm playing this thing as loud. And there's a lot of other people out there doing the same thing, trying to get people uh, enticed and intrigued. But if you're not, if you're not moving your body around and you're not exploring it and you're not pushing yourself, I have a hard time listening to you about your anxiety or your depression because I'm just like... I can be sympathetic to the fact that maybe you're in a spot where it's really difficult for you to get started. And that I do understand. That makes sense to me that you have a hard time putting one foot in front of the other. But also don't act like you don't have choices. You have choices. There's an opportunity there. And I had a brother who died from I'm able to speak upon some of this stuff because I think my own family experiences. My oldest brother died. He was uh, bipolar and just had a lot of issues with drugs and things like that. And so I saw that I saw that struggle. I saw him get in shape and get strong. I saw him get obese. I saw him just be all over the place. Uh, my own mother died basically of being obese, and I think her sleep ultimately is what ended up uh, just having such a negative impact on her that it killed her. But she. Uh, just got herself to a point where she felt like she couldn't move and she previously she'd lost weight she walked she she knew that she could do it uh she had done it before but her life experiences she was uh, molested as a kid and abused and all these different things and so for her it was amazing that she was able to instill a lot of confidence in me and my brothers uh but she was not able to have enough confidence for her to take her own first step so that part i understand and that part I actually have seen firsthand and I get it when people are like, man, I just can't bring myself to work out. Like there's people like us that work out all the time saying like, hey, don't use the word can't. But I think there are people that are very stuck at the mm-hmm. moment and they need something. They need something to uh, just kind of un- get them unstuck from whatever the uh, limiting beliefs are in their head. It's, and maybe it's, it's just a walk or something It's like tough that. though when that something is a someone and – that become, can be brutal. It can be someone else's job to convince you and continually convince you and continually convince you to get going. And that's where it's really hard. Like, I totally agree. Um, getting people started to do anything, to, to work on their health, to work on their fitness, to work on whatever. It's really difficult to get that person started. I mean, you've probably been there. I've definitely been there where it, it I mean, fitness aside, you know, just like starting and, and feeling stuck. 
There's um, so many factors in there. People yeah. are people are lonely. People aren't feeling well from the food that they're eating. So it's like, how do you make this? How do you make this switch? How do you make this change? Like, I'm fortunate. I've been uh, married for over over 20 years, and like, I met someone that was spectacular at a really early age. So there's been a lot of things in my life where I'm just like, fuck, man, I I am like really, I am actually really lucky. I am really fortunate. I have two two amazing parents growing up. Um, I haven't had a lot of like, it doesn't feel like I've had a lot of adversity, but that's maybe just because that's what I mean. Part of the mindset. You're yes, hundred percent. You just told me that your brother and mother died. And then you just said, I haven't had a lot of adversity. You realize those are two conflicting things. Right. So it's honest to God, it's your positive outlook. I mean, that's what's brought you success. You continually say, say, I would say though that I, I think because I maybe started out on the the track of life maybe a little further ahead because of having two great parents. Mm -hmm. I think that that is something that, you know, there's people that have, there's just a lot of issues in the world and and I'm not going to pretend that I'm aware of even half of them. What I, (laughs) this is what I think of when I think of Mark Bell, somebody who's so invested in what they do that everything that happens to them feels like luck. Right. And that, that's how I feel a lot. Everything that's happened to me in this world, in this fitness world, even having you in this room feels like luck to me. I appreciate all, that. All these conf- yeah, because it's a big deal. I mean, you're a big deal to me. You know, I've, I've, uh, I've, I mean, it's fucking Mark Bell. It's crazy, you know, like to, to think about it on, on, along those lines. And yet here I am. And I could continually say that it's because I'm, I'm lucky. But the reality is I just loved fucking what I loved what I do so much. That anything positive, any sort of gains that I got, I was just always so fucking grateful for it. And, you know, that that can't that has to be something that you have to see in yourself. Cause I for sure sure as hell see it. And I know that everyone watching this, everyone that's watched your channel definitely sees that as well. Um, I remember I watched a lot of your content probably six years ago, like when I was starting YouTube. I think you were still a bigger guy than you're still uh, benching, yeah, squatting, deadlifting. 290 or something. Yeah. yeah. And then things started to switch where you were like, I'm going to try doing something different, drastically different. And I remember you were doing keto. And I remember looking at it and being like, oh, Mark's off his rocker. <laughs> I'm fucking, I'm done with this guy. Like, screw him. No carbs. Get out yeah, of here. Yeah. Like, but you eat carbs now, right? I, 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 uh, no comment. No, I, 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 I do. Yeah, so so the, <laughs> the whole thing was like, that's not Mark Bell. That's just Mark Bell having fun. That's Mark Bell trying new things. It's Mark Bell just loving this shit so I, much. I've always been this way. People only but it's caught fucking me. awesome. Yeah. And I, I, I thought you were so rigid and dialed in who you were as a power lifter and you're this kind of type A type of guy. But really, you seem like this exploratory person with this childlike... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mentality. And that is what it, that is ultimately what we're looking for. But the question before of how to be, should you be optimal or should you help yourself? It's like, have that wonder, right? That's, that's essentially what I see from you. Yeah. Always questioning everything, including myself, you know, and, and being, uh, you know, trying to be self-aware and trying to understand myself better as I, as I go along. But I think, 
when I started uh, a YouTube channel, which I I started stuff before YouTube, but I started stuff uh, some stuff on another website that went debunked, which was called Putfile. Uh, that was like 2004, 2005. So I've been recording stuff for a really long time. When I started recording stuff, I did so because I was like, there is a, it's not possible for people to not understand how fascinating this is, even if they don't really like it. Even if they don't really like lifting, there's got to be someone out there that cares about someone that squats 900 pounds and there's no... There's no nothing for it. We get you get nothing. There's there's not an it's not an Olympic sport powerlifting. Um, monetizing it can be really challenging. Although nowadays it's a little easier because you got social media and stuff, and you can grab a hold of some sponsors. But it wasn't bodybuilding. Uh, it just was nowhere. And so I thought people they need to see this. Why are we all so obsessed? I mean, these guys are are pulling up to the gym in these shitty you know just beater cars. They don't have money. They're coming in and they're they're fucking squatting until their nose bleeds and stuff. I'm like, people. I, I think people would be fascinated by this. So I started recording it, and as I started to record it, I recognized what was missing, and I recognized it fairly quickly. Not because of the views and stuff, but just because of like some of the feedback I would get when I would see other people. They would say, "Oh, I really love that guy that's in your gym, so and so." And it, and it wasn't because it was like someone like Treston Scholl that was that used to be in my gym who would go outside and smoke a cigarette in his uh, wife beater tank top uh, in between his sets and like scratch his belly button. So they, they liked they liked the character. Mm -hmm. They liked like what the person was about or what the person was. Treston would also come in with like a cowboy hat. I mean, this guy was incredible. He squatted like 1,036 or something like that. He was a fucking beast. And he didn't even really train. He was just like a mutant athlete he could come to the gym and uh in his cowboy boots he would like stand super close to the wall and just break down into like a a full squat he could probably snatch against the wall you know like that kind yeah, of yeah. mobility and athleticism for he, he used to be a cheerleader so he could jump and like touch both his toes and stuff. i don't know he's just weird it's like kung fu panda or some shit but what i recognized was that people weren't so much invested in what weight someone hit. Oh, that guy hit a thousand, but that guy hit, you know, nine fifty or whatever. They weren't like the guy that hits a thousand is the guy that I'm a fan of. They were more a fan if we kept rolling. So we we understood early on that it was important to keep rolling because the joke after the lift or the joke in between the lifts or somebody throwing in a chew in between and like dipping or somebody uh, stealing someone else's shaker cup or like whatever the hell crazy weird stuff that happens in a gym. Uh, that's what people wanted to see. Kind of the locker room talk, the behind the scenes. And that's a lot of the stuff that we filmed. And that's what a lot of the stuff that people ended up becoming attached to. But it's an it's an amazing thing to end up being part of a community like that. And so yeah. I think it was more relatable when people kind of saw that. They're like, oh, these are okay. The thousand pound squat. I don't know what that's about. These guys are crazy. But the jokes and stuff, and the smiles, and the hugs, and the fist bumps, and the they're cranking crazy music, and they're going at it all intense. But it's making them happy. And I think ultimately that's what I'm usually chasing. I'm tr yeah. I'm chasing down stuff that is fulfilling me that makes me feel amazing do you think do you think you always had that quality or it kind of exacerbated it more or, or made it stronger uh because of the tragic things in your life like the death of your brother and your and your mother 
I think uh, I'm a big fan of trying to figure out a way to train your will and to educate your will and to expand it and to grow it. Because I, I think I think our mindset is one of the is one of the well, I think it's the most powerful. Our interpretations of stuff is the most powerful thing that that we have. Um, I'm going to probably mess some of this up, but I'm just thinking of like Einstein E equals MC squared or whatever the fuck he figured out. He like did that by, he was like on a train and he was pulling away and there was like a light or and he just, but who else's interpretation would be that because he's on a moving train? Like it just, you know what I mean? Like, so the, you're, the, the very bounds of science would state that you shouldn't think like that. But, right. And yet those are the greatest creations in science. Uh, yeah. A hundred, a hundred from interpretations outside of the structure of science so for me what in learning stuff over the years and then trying to trying to disprove it trying to disprove like this is uh something you can test on yourself you can test it out in the real world and see if it works uh negative interpretations only come from one spot Negative, negative emotions only come from one spot. They come from negative interpretations. A negative emotion only comes from one spot. It comes from a negative interpretation. So for me, as I started to clean out my closet of negative thoughts, of I've said kind of more recently, like I can't even tell you the last time I had a bad day. And now that I even start to think about that statement, I don't even know if I've ever had a bad day. And I hear people, you know, oh, it's just one of those days. It's a tough day. Man, Mondays are tough to get going. Like, we have a lot of this negative thought process that's cranking all the time. And I'm not saying I don't have those because those are very normal. Like, oh, fuck, man, I got to take a shower. Oh, man, I got to get over. Like, all those things are there, of course. Um, but I try to reinterpret even those, even the very thoughts that I think. I try to work on a reinterpretation of those. So... You could test this out in the real world and, and see how that holds up for you, but I think you'll find that it holds up 100% time and time again, almost no matter how bad the situation is, although every once in a while there's situations that happen where you're like, I don't have any other way to view this as being shitty. And it would only take time then for that. Like I think um, if something really tragic happens in your day, it's going to be impossible for you to not interpret it as tragic and interpret it as a horrible day. Right. Uh, but give it time and you'll look back and there will be, there absolutely will be something positive that can come from that. There has to, or else you, you can't survive. I think a lot of people might not know, but like I have been studying and researching stuff for so many years that has nothing to do with lifting. Uh, it's rare for me. I to, can tell from this conversation. Yeah, it's so rare for me to listen to a podcast that has just straight lifting content. Although I love lifting and I love lifting content, and I will pick up stuff, especially from like Instagram, uh, Squat University. I watch that guy's stuff all the time. You know, there's certain certain things that I'll watch and I'll pick up here and there. Uh, but I I have learned over like a long period of time that the X's and O's aren't really they're not really where the details are, you know. The, you, the details are when you're zoomed way out, which I think people think when you zoom way out that you're seeing more of like a general perspective. To me, that's like all the details. That's mm. all this stuff because you you want to continue to investigate and you want to go. You you want to start 
with the general stuff and then you want to kind of zoom in over a period of time. And what I've discovered with helping people lose weight um, has been once you go a couple questions deep on why they want to lose weight, then you get to the root cause of their trauma, the root cause of, and to me, that's the more general thing. Oh, you were abused as a child. Like, oh my goodness, like, holy shit. Okay, well, that's, that's an entire like category. That's an entire thing that sometimes takes a trained professional for you to go to and communicate with to be able to uh, re- be able to even get to a place where you can reinterpret something like that. So I'm obsessed with like Jordan Peterson and all these different people that you see that talk philosophy and stuff like that because I, I really think the more that we can learn in that arena, the easier it is to deflect anything uh, that's coming at you. It's just, you got a stronger shield. You got more weapons, more tools. Like, like what's your go-to tool? Like, do you go and drink a beer? Do you smoke weed? Do you, you know, or are you like, you know what, man, I just, it's always, I, I better go out for a walk or go lift. My tool is always speaking. So that was, it was actually really interesting. I was just on a recent uh, bachelor party, but the, the, uh, he's our good friend, uh, me and Chris Williamson, really good friend. We went to his bachelor party and the structure of it was completely different than anything you might think. Um, you know, we we drank a little bit. I didn't even really drink over the weekend, but he structured um, talking time where you put your phone away and there was a group of like 25 of us. And then typically like just at night, like we would split off into groups and talk. And like, that's all he wanted. If you're going to drink, drink, that's fine. Like, actually, we want you to get loose. And But we all just talked like the whole weekend. It was it was actually fucking amazing and we talked about a rite of passage so like one of the the nights we sat in a big circle 25 of us you had to stand up uh say your name and then one to two minutes uh of a rite of passage that happened to you and to hear 25 males grown-ass men do that become open and emotional is like it's unheard of most men will go their entire lives and never get that. And I'm lucky enough to have gotten that last weekend. And one of the rite of passages that I said was, um, yeah, I grew up with three older sisters um, and they were much older than me. So I was like kind of separate down here. And I didn't really, it's not that I didn't fit into like the family. I was just the quiet, younger boy. And my family would go to sleep and my dad would be in his office writing and I would go in there and we would talk for hours. Mm. And it was not like he was talking to a child, you know, even though I, I was, he was, I was 12 years old and we were talking about some serious philosophical shit. And that has literally stuck with me forever. That's all I want to do. That's all I care about. It's like literally might be the only thing that gives me energy is having meaningful discussion. I struggle a lot at big parties because the idea of a big party is that it's not really um, appropriate to have deep discussion with one person or a small group because there's this feeling of, hey, I need to mingle. This is why we're here. It's like the appropriate thing to do is catch up with people, have fun, get loose, you know, move around. Um, And I struggle a lot at those things. So so to kind of like bring it all back, um, that's how I, that's what I want to do. That's That's a wonderful therapy, communication. It it, it absolutely, it's, it's like the only thing, but it also... You're not always going to get that. And so when I don't get that, I start to panic a little bit. Mm. And and that's where, 
you know, that's something else I need to work on. Because it's not to say that the the other experiences of human interaction are not as valid or as important. It's what helps. I mean, they exist for a reason. You know, it's not me who's the right one and the world who's the wrong one. So it's just things like that. I think that's what helps me get by, you know. Uh, that's sick. I think I think uh, how you structure stuff and how you go about your day and how you deal with certain things is really an interesting thing. I went to Hawaii uh, not too long ago with my wife. And for my wife, she was like, I'm going to swim every day. I'm going to go. And I, I'm not a swimmer. So she's swimming in the ocean with a couple of her friends. And I was like, okay, cool. While you swim, I'm going to run. The whole entire like week was like just uh, like a boot camp. I was like, this is fucking crazy because she'd be out for two hours and I was just running and running and running. And I'm running all these different trails and all this different stuff. And and I was like, oh, she's not back quite yet, so I'm going to go lift. And so I just kept lifting and eating like fruit and meat. And like we, we bought a bunch of stuff the first day we were there to make sure that we had That's heaven on earth for me. You know what I'm saying? Like like we <laughs> we, uh, you know, so when you have a kid, you you child proof, you child proof your home, you know, and I think if you can if you can walk yourself through like I'm going to fitness proof like my life, my circumstances, like I'm going to make sure like for this trip, I brought a fucking bag of protein with a goddamn meathead, a shaker cup, and I brought something uh, that I that are called uh, carnivore crisps. They're just uh, basically almost like a jerky, but a little different. And I just want to make sure that I have some of that stuff, so that way I'm less tempted. I I bought like an apple and a banana at the, the airport, and um, I like I, I know I'm gonna walk. I brought some shoes to run in. Uh, hopefully, I'll run into Zach Bitter, who's a crazy motherfucker who runs ultra marathons. And I'll be seeing Nick Bear later this week to run with him as well. So it's and and I'm around you. It's just you know it's how am I going to turn this into something where I you know get get the stuff in that's important to me. Like it fulfills me, it makes me feel good. I think sometimes we have a tendency to think that those things are selfish, uh, but I think that's being a little selfish is important. I think you need to safeguard those things. Your workout times. I heard Joe Rogan recently talking about he's got uh, like solitude. He has like this period of time where he needs to train and he needs was to be. Was it the one with Rick Rubin? Yes. Yep. Oh, that was, I just heard that one. That was such a ridiculous podcast. So good. God damn, that was so incredible. Dude, from from somebody who's into music, like that's one of, for me, he it's was, like. He said he music. watches 11 hours of pro wrestling a, a week. I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> for me, it's music. Yeah weightlifting everything else but see like you you and, have and so a, that podcast was just yeah and people have like a history in their head of things that they really enjoy and they really like mm -hmm. and nostalgia is a powerful motherfucker the next time that you feel down or you feel sluggish or tired or depressed you know sip on some nostalgia like try to find a, a chunk of music or look at some old pictures or You'll find yourself just automatically uh, feeling different. Maybe you don't even feel better because maybe the song that hit, you know, reminded you of a relationship or maybe it reminded you of somebody that's not here any longer. But how powerful is that? You know, I can think of songs right now that I could play on my phone where it would, you know, remind me of my, uh, my father-in-law or something like that who passed a few years ago. And boom, right away, just like I'm going to be moved to something. I might be moved and think, Man, that guy was a creative motherfucker. That guy was pretty cool. Or I might be moved to tears. And I'm that's that's all good. And these are the processes that we're working through when we're in the gym. And that's the, the whole 
point of lift through it is and me talking about like run through it a runner's high there's a lifter's high as well and you're working through shit like how how many times have you been in the gym and your head has just been in a knot in your warm-ups you were frustrated about a bunch of stuff and now you're kind of frustrated you got the gym a little bit later than you wanted to you forgot your strong knee sleeves uh you didn't have your pre-workout like you're just kind of grumpy everything's just a little off you don't have everything quite worked out and then boom just silence you hit that lift you hit whatever like and you weren't even expecting anything of yourself for the day and i think that's a whole other topic but you hit something and it's just like whoosh. it's almost like you came all over the place <laughs> <laughs> you you dumped your load you, you get rid of all that uh built up pent up frustration that you had mm -hmm. and boom it's gone and now you're just in this total relaxed state now your buddy comes over to you who was fucking with you earlier who's talking shit uh who's making fun of you for uh the shoes you're wearing or whatever and, and now you're in there joking with him. Meanwhile, you were just thinking, I'm going to punch this one. Yeah. Like, this guy doesn't yeah. even know I'm going to punch him right in the face. <laughs> but that's just interpretation, like you had said. Right. You know, um, I like the idea of, like, fitness-proofing your life. That doesn't mean that you're so rigid. I mean, because walking here earlier, you were like, like, go and, um, like, have carbs or, or whatever like uh you know do you, yeah it's like we're in texas you know somebody yeah, have, invites somebody invite, you to barbecue have place. some mac and cheese just yeah it's so funny that we're continually doing this throughout the podcast is arguing with ourselves <laughs> right. do you not realize this yeah we've said the opposite thing two different times uh and and this this is mark this is why i love you and this is why i love watching your stuff is because it's palpable like, and I think maybe someone can misinterpret it like I did back in, uh, you know, I don't know, five, six years ago when you started to change things up. I saw the change and I'm like, oh, this guy's crazy, whatever, he's a whack job. But the reality is you're just continually considering. You're continually interpreting, or interpreting, sorry. You're continually interpreting things. And if you don't know the answer, you might never find it. But the fact that you're considering it and you're acting upon it, you're winning. We're not supposed to find the answers. Yeah, so a lot of things you're not supposed to. Like but why we're here. <laughs> but it, the, the thing is, the search for a better understanding or interpretation makes you a better man, makes you a better woman, makes you better whatever in between, right? Um, and, and I think that that is ultimately what makes your channel and your content so special. And we haven't even talked about the fact that you're a businessman, a family man. Like you have all these other things in line as well. But I, I feel like we don't really need to because we just got it from fitness. But yeah, I, I just I just want to say having you here, this is amazing. This is really special to me. I, I need you to know that for real. Like um, thinking about where I started in this whole whatever youtube in you know fitness journey to now having you here it's actually crazy and i'm sure there was a moment where where you were like you could have said the same thing to someone else uh more recently uh had an opportunity to meet donald trump we took the picture with him and then we kind of and then we walked away and i put my hand on my dad's shoulder i said dad i said this is how, how crazy is that that we just got to meet one of the presidents yeah. there's not many pre like there's what 40 he was for president 45 but anyway i i told my dad i said that is from you 
buying us a bunch of weights in our in the garage. Uh, I, I I feel yeah. like you would be the first to say that you're not the most athletic, the not not the strongest, right, right. not the most genetically gifted at all, but you were always bound to be something because of I think the the you know the theme of this show has been interpretation of things. Absolutely, hundred percent. I got to train with Bring Me the Horizon. Two guy, I mean, two of the guys from Bring Me the Horizon. They're a big, big band. There's a video of it up on my YouTube channel, and it's because I decided to go to a CrossFit gym one mm. day, you know, uh, in 2013, and that led me to down a certain path and then I was on Chris Williamson's podcast two and a half years ago almost three years ago now and we became really really close friends we're now roommates and he invited me to go meet up with his friends who had been who were on bring me the horizon it was backstage at a rock show where people pay hundreds of dollars mm. to even be 10 rows back and we were backstage we were up in the dressing room That's hanging it. out with them lifting with them for two hours went to lunch and that was all because of that same thing. And uh, it's all just based off of how you, you know, I could have never done that and I wouldn't give a shit. Right. You could have never done any of this stuff and I don't think you would have ever really cared. I think you just. It was for my own self exploration. And fun. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have any answers. Never knew I would end up, you know, uh, with my brother on Joe Rogan multiple times, you know, didn't know I'd be part of a documentary, Bigger, Stronger, Faster. Yeah. Didn't know I'd own, you know, the businesses I own. And I just had no idea, I had no idea of the direction, but it always felt good. It always felt like lifting always felt right, even though I did try to push it away a couple of times. Uh, every time that I gravitated to it and every time I've done it, it always feels right. Even now, like now I do, I do a lot of stuff that's, uh, I guess, uh, respective to like running, jumping, throwing, um, in the gym so you're gonna see me doing like a lot of weird movements in the gym uh and i don't just do some of the standard exercises that you might normally see uh but a lot of that is just again it's me exploring new stuff and when i explored keto it wasn't too long until keto blew up when i explored powerlifting and brought powerlifting uh more attention powerlifting blew up so i think the way that i'm training right now I think some of the stuff I'm doing right now, and it's not just me, like there's a lot of people out there doing these things. People are going to start to recognize that if you're to do a thousand reps a week, let's just hypothetically say that some percentage of those reps should be devoted to something more athletic than just the lifting of weight because it's done in like a one dimensional plane mm -hmm. and we need to get ourselves twisting and we need to get ourselves like rotating, like we need to be moving in some other planes other than a deadlift, a clean, a snatch. Like we think that these things cover a lot of ground and they certainly do, they do cover a lot of ground, but they don't cover everything. So you're gonna have to figure out like, you gotta throw a med ball or you gotta do, and the only reason why I'm saying you have to, because that's a big statement, right? There's so many people that are in pain. There's so many, even lifters, even people in the fitness industry, uh, when I go around and I see different people that are especially like in their 40s and in their 50s, I'm always like, ah, okay, that's how that's working out for that guy. Yeah. Like that's not that. That's not a good look. Yeah. And I, and I want to see people that are more vibrant in their later years and not just because uh, 
they lift like a total pussy. <laughs> I want I want to see them still be able to perform something, still be able to do something, and still be vibrant. Obviously, you're going to have bumps and bruises. You're going to get sore and stuff like that. But stiff joints and pain and stuff like that, those are things that you can figure out a way to manage. And so I challenge people to do is start to figure out a way to Start to figure out a way to challenge some of that and see if you can get yourself to feel better. The pain you have in your knee, the pain you have in your hip, your shoulder, whatever it is, it doesn't need to be there. It's not supposed to be there. So figure it, figure your shit out. Well, Mark, I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, sir. This is the first time I've ever done this. So you are the first guest. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Guest number one. Uh, I guess we should do a plug. This is I've never done this before. So if you want to plug anything and everything... Oh, yeah. A chance. Hey, you, I'm going to plug some Mind Bullet. I got some Mind Bullet sitting right here. This is a Kratom product. You can go check it out at mindbullet.com. You may have heard uh, Joe Rogan, Tom Segura, and some other people talking about it. My brother made a movie about it called Leaf of Faith if you want to like learn more information about it. But it's something that helps uh, set me off into a good mood. I think it's the greatest pre-workout ever made. I really enjoy it a lot. And then I also have a lot of products at markbellslingshot.com which is where you'll see the slingshot, the elbow sleeves, the knee sleeves, wrist wraps. We make all kinds of stuff. And then I started a supplement brand not too long ago called Within You. And we make a product called the Steak Shake, which is, uh, it's got liver, kidney, heart, spleen, pancreas, which all sounds really disgusting. But we threw it into a shake and uh, formulated it so it tastes good. There's chocolate, vanilla, and a salted caramel of that. So we have a bunch of other supplements on there as well. Thank you, Mark, for coming on. And guys, I've never done this before, so if you like it, just comment. And um, I have other very big guests scheduled. This, this is, is the first show? Yeah, the first one. That's not, amazing. For, not first. I, I don't even know if I'm going to release it on audio. I think I'm just going to do video on my YouTube channel. But I have some notable people coming uh, through Austin, and I don't want to spoil who they are. But, uh, yeah, if you guys like it, please comment, and we're going to keep doing these. Dude, The Rock, that's amazing. Good job. <laughs> All right, see you guys. Later. Later.